Good morning. Welcome to Zion Lutheran Church on this fifth Sunday after the Epiphany. Uh, a few reminders before we begin our worship. A reminder that there is an informational meeting following worship today. And so we do ask all members to please stay for the meeting as we continue important discussions about the future of our church, uh, relationship we have to our denomination and so forth. So please stay uh, for that meeting immediately after worship. Also a reminder, uh, Shrove Tuesday is next Tuesday the 13th. So we'll have our traditional pancake supper that Tuesday and then Ash Wednesday of course is the 14th. We'll have our Ash Wednesday service at seven with Holy Communion. So please try to be at both of those if you're able. Uh, and then, of course, that means Lent is almost upon us, so we will continue with our Lenten midweek services beginning Wednesday the 21st. Uh, we would like to continue to have soup suppers before those services, so you will notice down in the lower narthex there's a clipboard. Uh, if you would like to contribute a soup for one of those Wednesdays, please sign up. Um, also, just in general, if you think you might attend those suppers, go ahead and jot your name down so we just have a general number on how many we would be serving for those, those suppers. So uh, just get your name on that clipboard if you're able, and that would be a big help to us. Are there any other announcements that you have or any prayer requests that you have this morning? Yeah, Judy. Uh, for a request, my aunt Shirley Dunbar Wetzel passed away, so to the family. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my friends, Judy Fisher, her dad passed away, so to the Fisher family. Yeah. Right. If there are no other requests, I'll invite you to take a moment to prepare your hearts and minds for worship as we listen to the prelude.
church, and I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are happy to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Glory to God in the highest and peace to God's people on earth. God, you give strength to the weak and power to the faint. Make us agents of your healing and wholeness that your good news may be made known to the ends of your creation. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The first reading is from Isaiah. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sets above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught, and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown. Scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth, when he blows upon them, and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see, who created these? He who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them all by name, because he is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disrespected by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, 
the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The word of the Lord. We will read responsively Psalm 147. Hallelujah, how good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant it is to honor God with praise. The Lord rebuilds Jerusalem and gathers the exiles of Israel. The Lord heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. The Lord counts the numbers of sorrows and calls them all by their names. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. There is no limit to God's wisdom. The Lord lifts up the lowly, but casts the wicked Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make music upon the harp to our God. The covers the heavens with clouds, and the prayers of the earth. Make his grass grow on the mountains. God provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they cry. God is not impressed by the might of the horse, and has no pleasure in seeing a runner. But finds pleasure in those who fear the Lord, in those who await God's steadfast love. Hallelujah. Second reading is from 1 Corinthians. If I proclaim the gospel, this gives me no ground for boasting, for an obligation is laid on me, and woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my reward? Just this, that in my proclamation I may make the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law so that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that I might by all means save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, so that I may share in its blessings. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. As soon as Jesus and the disciples left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. 
He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him, and when they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I have come to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Christ. I invite you to be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, what makes a church? What are we doing here this morning? Why do we exist? Why do we gather? It's an important question for us this morning and every Sunday morning. But it's going to be a key question in all of 1 Corinthians. Because the Corinthian church was a divided church. There were some in the church who claimed to only follow the Apostle Paul. While others claimed that they were merely disciples of another apostle or some other teacher. And so following Christ seemed to have been a secondary concern for them. There were some, as we heard last week, who ate meat and some who did not. And both sides apparently had little appreciation for the concerns of the other side. There were some who were taking other members of the church to court to settle legal matters. There were some who were scandalizing the church with their very public sins. There were some who argued that Christians should not be married. And the Corinthian church was simply a congregation in great disunity. In modern language, we would say that at its best, it was dysfunctional. In fact, when we consider all that they were fighting over, we might rightly wonder, why did they bother at all? And most congregations today typically have small arguments in comparison. We might fight about the carpet, how to paint the walls, what line items on the budget are necessary, what hymns we sing, and so on. But these are all trivial compared to what was going on in Corinth. And in 1 Corinthians, more than anything, the Apostle Paul is going to answer the question for the congregation about why it was that they exist. It wasn't the carpet. It wasn't the paint color. It wasn't for their own individual needs. But it was something else. And Paul is going to get to this by way of example with his own ministry. He explains to the congregation that he is compelled to preach the gospel. And he says, really, that he has no choice in the matter. The commission to preach the gospel was given to him directly by Christ. And you know the story from Acts chapter 9. Paul was a famous persecutor of Christians. He sought them out to arrest them and to silence them. However, Christ came to him one day on the road to Damascus and captivated him so that his life took a new path. Because Paul had this commission, he said he didn't want to accept payment for his preaching. He says he didn't make use of his full rights that he is owed as a servant of the church 
because he wanted nothing to get in the way and nothing to distract from what Christ had sent him to do, which was to preach the gospel. He has come, he says, to make Christ known, just as Christ was made known to him. Paul then goes on to explain that this allows him to be all things to all people. He's not trying to impress anyone. He's not trying to make money. He's not trying to gain influence. Instead, he is interested only in bringing the gospel to sinners who need to hear it. So he says he can become a Jew when he preaches to the Jews. He can become as a Gentile when he preaches to Gentiles. And he can rightly preach the gospel to free, to slave, to rich, to poor, to men, to women. And he does not have to insist on any particular paradigm because the gospel is for all. And so Paul puts himself aside and he makes himself merely the means through which the Holy Spirit opens up hearts through the preaching of the gospel. And so notice then how that addresses so much of the conflict in the Corinthian church. Can the members of the congregation stop dividing themselves based on exterior things in order to come together for the singular purpose of preaching the gospel? The good news that Jesus Christ brings, the forgiveness of sins, is what makes a church. God brings us together to hear that same message over and over in the preaching of the word and in receiving the sacraments. That same good news, Christ is for you. That is the word of the gospel. And true Christian unity starts with that word, Christ is for you. The church then always has to be careful to discern that other words and other messages are not taking priority over that message. And Jesus illustrates this in our reading from the Gospel of Mark this morning. At this point in the Gospel story, Jesus' fame is spreading, specifically because everyone knows he's a healer. There's a whole city waiting outside the door for Jesus to come to heal them, to heal their sick. And when Jesus goes off early in the morning to pray, Simon and the others hunt him down because everyone is looking for him. In other words, there are still lots of people in the city who are waiting for you, Jesus, to heal them. And Jesus' response is important because he says, let us go on to neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I have come to do. Jesus knew that he could devote his whole ministry to healing the sick. He could commit 24-7 to healing people and there would be no end to it. Everyone everywhere would come to Jesus all day long to heal any kind of affliction. So Jesus moves on. And Jesus moves on not because he doesn't have compassion on the sick, but because he says he has come not primarily to be a healer of illness, but he says he has come out to bring the gospel. Jesus does not allow the secondary thing, the healing, to overtake the primary thing, which is the announcement of the gospel. And so likewise for us, what makes a church is that the primary thing is the announcement of the gospel. Our church's confession, the Lutheran church's confession, the Augsburg confession, makes this point clear enough for us when it says, and to the true unity of the church, it is enough to agree concerning the doctrine of the gospel and the administration of the sacraments. It is not necessary that human traditions, that is, rites or ceremonies, 
instituted by men should be everywhere alike. In other words, what the Augsburg Confession tells us, the thing that makes us a church, the thing that unites us as a congregation is the gospel. It's not that we have a church calendar. It's not that we all dress a certain way. It's not that we have a certain tradition. It's not that we use a certain hymnal. It's not a particular building. All of that's secondary. And all of our ministries outside of the preaching of the gospel, likewise, are secondary. As a congregation, indeed, we want to help the poor and hurting. We want to help those we can with our financial benevolence. We want to have times of fun and fellowship together and so on. But none of those things make us a church. Only the preaching of the gospel makes a church. And this is great news for us. It's great news for any congregation. Because it's not our holiness or our piety that makes us a true church. It's not having everything perfect together that makes us a church. Instead, the heart of it is that we can come together every Sunday and receive the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. And we can apply this even to us as individuals. What makes you a Christian? It's not your holiness. It's not your generosity. It's not your knowledge. What makes you a Christian is that you have received the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. And so whether we look at our congregation, whether we look at ourselves, we ought not to look inward to be comforted by what we do. Instead, our confidence and our certainty comes through what Christ has done for us. And so what makes us really, what we really are, is Christ. What makes us a true church is the gospel. It's gathering together every Sunday morning to hear the good news that Christ is for you. Amen.
together let us stand and confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten and not made, of the one being with the Father, through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. We give thanks to you, dear Father, for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, into our flesh to preach the gospel and cast out the works of Satan and the corruption of sin, which we could not overcome on our own. By your word, rescue us from every evil of body and soul. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Lord of the Church, give joy to your servants on whom you have laid the necessity to preach the gospel, that many would be saved in every nation, and that together we may share in the blessings of Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, give to all Christian homes the endurance that comes from your Holy Spirit, that husbands and wives, parents and children, and neighbors may be disciplined and self-controlled in their duties, run their course in this life and continue to the end in their holy faith, ready to receive eternal life from you. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Almighty God, creator of the world and its foundations, you hold sway over the powers of nature and the rulers of the earth. Graciously preserve our land, its produce and industry, and our leaders together with our people. Especially give wisdom and discernment to our President Joseph, our Governor Richard Michael, and to all who serve in public office. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, your Son is the great physician of body and soul, at whose hand demon, disease, and every ill must turn away. We bring before you this morning those in any need, especially Judy, Tammy, Charlie, Jane, John, Don, Leah, Nancy, Wayne, Doit, Jim, Brian, Marilyn, Joanne, Tony, Carolyn, Nancy, Carol, and especially all of those who grieve this morning for Linda, Shirley, and Judy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Holy Father, where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. 
Bring us in faith to your holy sacrament, that the blood of Christ, which atoned for our sins, may make us whole, strengthen us against every spiritual attack, and turn us in love toward our neighbor, and preserve us in body and soul. Lord, in your mercy. And into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Now the peace of the Lord be with you always. Holy God, gracious and merciful, you bring forth food from the earth and nourish your whole creation. Turn our hearts toward those who hunger in any way that all may know your care. And prepare us now to feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It 
is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful Father, through our Savior, Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Indeed, holy, almighty, and merciful God, you are most holy, and great is the majesty of your glory. You so loved the world that you gave your only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. We give you thanks for his coming into the world to fulfill for us your holy will, and to accomplish all things for our salvation. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Remembering, therefore, his solitary command, his life-giving passion and death, his glorious resurrection and ascension, and the promise of his coming again, we give thanks to you, O Lord God Almighty, not as we ought, but as we are able. We ask you mercifully to accept our praise and thanksgiving, and with your word and Holy Spirit to bless us, your servants, and these your own gifts of bread and wine, so that we and all who share in the body and blood of Christ may be filled with heavenly blessing and grace, and receiving the forgiveness of sin, may be formed to live as your holy people and be given our inheritance with all your saints. To you, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all honor and glory in your holy church, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
to invite you to stand. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. For the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.